Good. So last week we literally started studying about the genesis of the kingdom. I didn't say much last week. It was still very introductory. The whole essence of what we are doing, the things we are learning, is because I want you to be in a place in your life that you understand why you are called to be a Christian and what God expects from you, not just because you go to church or you were born into it, but because you've got into the place of knowing. I remember saying last week that when you know, you don't need motivation. When you know the essence and the importance of something, you don't need somebody to motivate you. If we constantly have to motivate you in your work with God, then it means that you fully haven't grasped the intent of God for your life. And that is why I feel that it's very, very important that we don't just preach to you, but we teach you. It's important. Education is very important. Education is very crucial to any agenda. And that is why no matter what agenda anybody tries to pass, the first place they try to roll it out is through schools, through education. Because when people eventually get hold of something and understanding come, they do these things effortlessly. And I strongly believe that God wants us to understand him. He wants us to understand his will. You see, God has two dimensions to himself. When you think of God, the God who is omnipotent, the God who is omnipresent, the God who is omniscient, he looks as a man that is very too far away because of the surpassing greatness. He looks like something that can never be reached. You know, the Bible talks about how his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And, you know, the word of God is very interesting because if you read the book of Hebrews, the chapter number 12, um, the writer of Hebrew, we still don't know, but I strongly believe it's Paul. Paul is talking about the church and he talks about the fact that you have not come to a mountain that cannot be touched. Why? Because in the times of Moses, you dare not touch that mountain. You will burn, you will die. And sometimes that's the impression we have of God. You know, he's too holy, he's too pure, he's too great, I can't touch him. And that's true, that's God. But then there's a dimension of God that is called Abba. The dimension of God that is called Abba, at that point in time, he does not reveal himself as God, he reveals himself as a father. The reason why he reveals himself as a father is because he wants to be that God you can reach. You may not be able to reach God because of how mighty he is and all of that, but God also wraps himself in the place of a father so that you can reach him. And this is why in Matthew chapter number six, Jesus said, when you are praying, don't say, our God who art in heaven, 
but he says that our Father who art in heaven. Why would Jesus Christ say we should call God Father? Because God wants to be closer and he wants to be that kind of God you know about. Is that okay? Because the moment you come to know him, the moment you come to understand him, what will happen is that, you know, things definitely become very, very, very easy. There's an interesting scripture one has to read. You know, in Habakkuk, the chapter number two, the verse number 14. <coughs> in Habakkuk 2, 14. The Bible says that, for the earth would be filled not with the glory, but it would be filled with the knowledge of the glory. Say the knowledge of the glory. Say the knowledge of the glory. Say the earth will be filled with the knowledge of what? Knowledge of the glory. What will the earth be filled with? What, what in particular would it be filled with? What? Knowledge. Not the glory. The knowledge. Habakkuk 2.14, the Bible says that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. That means that the earth cannot be filled with the glory of God until the earth is first filled with the knowledge of his glory. Are you here? Are you here? Please listen carefully. It's important that you do. The Christian problem is not a power problem. It's a knowledge problem. Enoch asked me a question last night. Like, can we really do the kind of things Jesus Christ said we can? Is it possible? Can we hit that standard? Can we walk in that place where we are healing every sick and we are raising the dead? It is only possible if we have not the power, but the knowledge. The Bible says that the earth would be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God it means that our problem is not a glory problem. Our problem is a knowledge problem. If you come to the place where you know, if you come to the place where you truly know what is there for you, what is there, your inheritance in God. And this is why <coughs> Paul, when he was praying for the church in Ephesus, he said that I pray for you that the eyes of your understanding would be opened that you receive wisdom and revelation, that through that you'll be able to know what is the hope of your calling. So that means that the reason why you've not been able to walk in the magnitude of the dimension of the power of God for your life, and the reason why the church has not been able to do all that God expects of us to do is because we don't know. It's not enough coming to church on a Sunday and sing and dance. It's not enough to just bask in the glory of God and worship God and you don't have, you know, the dimension of knowledge you need. Because the Bible says that in our days, in Isaiah, the Bible says that wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of your times. Hello? 
This is why the government spends so much money to pay teachers. The reason is this, knowledge. And if you realize that the church is ordaining ministers and pastors all, but you never see the church ordaining teachers into full-time ministry, that is when you realize that we have a problem. Because how can we do unless we know? How can we know unless we are taught? Are you here? That means that be excited anytime you have the opportunity to learn. Even more so to learn the things of God. According to the will of God. According to the mind of God. According to the knowledge of God. Because you can only function to the level that you know. You can only function to the level of knowledge. And sadly, not too many people are excited. You go to church, it's a prophetic service. The prophet, prophet is coming in town. It will be packed with people screaming, I receive it. They've been screaming, I receive it for 20 years. They've still not received nothing. Do you know why? Because no matter how much you shout, I receive it. If you don't know how to operate in the realm of the supernatural to draw what is hidden in the supernatural and bring it to the realm of the natural, nothing is going to manifest. So the Bible says that we don't perish for the lack of anointing, we perish for the lack of knowledge. This is a prophet. Prophecy. The Bible says the earth must be filled with the knowledge of the glory. So in other words, even the glory of God, the surpassing glory of God, if we want to get to the place where the glory of God envelopes the earth, we need to have the knowledge of the glory. And you cannot know until you learn. You cannot know until you are taught. In our days, the office of the teacher is really, really going to be crucial in one level or dimension of the supernatural and of the Holy Spirit and of power we would be able to work in. And that is why most of the time, everywhere there's so much power, everywhere there's so much power, you know, it is an enclosed area. It is not open to everybody. Do you know that? When you go into a certain place, a house, let's say even here, how many of you are just where the security um, barrier is or the security checkpoint? You see something like an electric, electrical high tension or something just by the side. Have you seen it? What is it enclosed in? It's enclosed in what? In a box and it's locked. And most of the time they will tell you, do not open. That means that if you don't know or if you don't have the skill or the expertise, to handle that power, if you go and open it, it will kill you. I tell you, there is so much power God is willing to release to the church. But when power is not handled according to knowledge, it has the capacity to kill. And that is why you don't just pray and say, God, give me anointing. Let the level of your hunger to learn be greater than the level of hunger you want for anointing. Because God is not going to bestow a greater anointing in the hands of an ignorant man or woman. Is that okay? Yeah? God is not going to, you know, bestow a greater level of anointing into the hands of an ignorant man or woman. It means that if you desire to walk in a serious dimension of God's anointing, you have to also desire 
to be somebody who is willing to learn, to learn, to learn, to learn, not just any kind of wisdom, but the wisdom of God. Are we here? And that is why you are studying. How many of you want to really work with God? Let me see your hand. How many of you really want to be used by God? How many of you really want to walk by the power of God? Let me tell you, you don't attain this just by wishing. You just don't attain this by wishing. You obtain and attain this with a lot of hard work. And this includes you being in that place where you want to know and you want to grow. Is that okay? I tell you, you could be in church for 50 years and know know nothing. You could be in church for 30 years and not know nothing, know nothing. If you want to grow, there has to be a desire on yourself to grow, and it just don't have to be a desire. You have to be at the place where you are willing to invest in that. Is that okay? Yeah? Good. So last week, we started looking at the kingdom, the genesis of the kingdom. The whole point of us doing, we just wanted to, York, do your job. <laughs> we wanted to know why we do what we do and why God has created things to operate in the way it ought to. I just want two people to tell me what they meant, two people. Natalie, can you tell me something? What did you learn last week? Yeah. So what we learned... If you can speak out loud. Um all right so last week we established that man's inheritance was never meant to be heaven but the earth if heaven was supposed to be our greatest inheritance the very day you became born again you'd have died and gone to heaven we established that if it had not been for sin, heaven would never have been part of the equation. If it had not been for sin, heaven would never have been part of the equation. We said heaven is just like someone is going to fix your house and we give you a temporary accommodation. Do you remember? So you go and stay there whilst the, you know, the handyman comes to fix the mess. There's a mess on this place called the earth, and that's why the Bible said that we'll go and be in heaven in a season, and when the Lord creates the new earth, we are going to come back to him. Why? Because we established last week was that God's intention was never for mankind to come to him. God's intention has always to come down to man. We established that, you know, religion literally talks about man's way of reaching out to God, but in, you know, our work with God in Christianity, we look at God coming down to man. Next week, no, tomorrow we are going to start a new series on kingdom school called Dispensations. And when we begin to deal with dispensations, you understand it clearly. But there's nowhere God has actually intended that man just comes up to him. The Bible says in the book of Romans that even when we were yet sinners, God demonstrated his love for us by sending his son to come and die for us. The Bible says, John 3, 16, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him is not going to perish but have everlasting life. Understand this always. No matter how much greater you want to reach out to God, and no matter how much greater you want to get to God, 
God wants to get to you even more. Have this at the back of your mind. And that's what the Bible says in the book of Philippians, the chapter number 2, the verse number 13, that it is God who works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It means that if you think that I want to pray, God placed that desire there. If you think that I want to worship God, God placed the desire there. Anything you have even thought of doing for God, he first placed that desire in your heart. So it has always been God's intention to come down to man. We established last week that in the Garden of Eden, Adam did not have to go to heaven. God had to constantly come down to the garden and have conversations and fellowship and koinonia with Adam. What does it mean? It means that God wants to reach out to us so bad. God wants to reach out. God delights in fellowship with his children. You know, um, 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 Christianity is not you just striving to do hard. And that is why in places like, you know, religions like Islam and things like that, people have to pray five times in a day and they have to do a certain ablution and they have to do rituals and they have to wash themselves in a certain kind of way. In Judaism, it's the same thing. If you go to, you know, Buddhist, you know, there's a way you have to go and sleep at the shrine and shave your hair and things like that because it's man's way of trying to do things to reach out to God. But God realized that no matter how much man tried, there was no way man could come to him. Do you know the reason why? Because his ways is so vast. And if he doesn't come down, there's no way we could measure up to where he is. Okay? So we established that, you know, um, 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 God always intends for us to, you know, for man himself to come to man. And that the place called the earth is the place he has given unto man. Psalm 115, you know, the verse number, is it 16? The Bible says that the heavens, even the heavens belongs to God, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. Is that all right? We establish that and we lay the foundations. We looked at why God will create a place called the earth. Because we said that if God intends, you know, if God has created us in his image and he has created us in his likeness, then if God is a king, then we should also be able to rule as kings. And there cannot be two people on the same throne. So God, because he wanted you to understand what dominion is, he had to give you a place called the earth where you dominate. Last week we said that if we say that he's the king of kings and he's the lord of lords, you know, the king of kings does not mean that God is in rivalry with other kings in the world or God is in rivalry with other gods of the world. When we say that God is the king of kings, he's the king of the kings. Who are the kings? It's you. He's the Lord of the Lords. Who are the Lords? It's us. It's not some demon somewhere that he's kings over them. He's the king of kings. Why? Because we are all kings. According to the book of Revelation, the Bible says that he has made us kings and what? Priests. We understood that, you know, as the saints or as the ecclesia, we have a priestly ministry. When we come to church, we do the priestly ministries. We go, what? The priests offer sacrifice. So we come, we offer a sacrifice of praise, we sing, we worship, and we dance. But the thing that the church is missing out is a kingly assignment. This is where we are failing. And we cannot understand our kingly assignment until we come to understand the concept of the kingdom and the mandate of dominion. Do you know that even communion talks about kings and priests? Do you know that? 
that anytime you're just looking at communion, it's not just talking about redemption, but it's talking about your mandate as a king and as a priest. The first time communion was ever served in the Bible was about a certain priest called Melchizedek. Melchizedek, according to the book of Hebrews, was Jesus Christ himself. When he met Moses, after Moses had, you know, gone to, Abraham has gone to battle and defeated the king of Sodom and all of those kind of places, he's coming and he meets Melchizedek. The Bible says that he has no beginning, he has no end, he has no father, he has no mother, and the Bible talks about how Melchizedek was Jesus Christ. It was that place that Abraham ever paid tithe for the first time. So that means that tithing existed before the law. Tithing was as a result of revelation. And that is why you cannot say that the Old Testament, you know, and the law is a cake, so you wouldn't pay tithe. Because the first time tithing was introduced, it was not part of the law. It was by revelation. When Abraham meets Melchizedek, I think it's in Genesis, the chapter number 14. Check for me. But the first time that he meets Melchizedek, the Bible says that Melchizedek is Genesis 14. If you go home, go and read. When Abraham gives him a tithe of all his earnings, Melchizedek takes bread and he takes wine and he offers it to Abraham. We all know the one who gave us bread and wine. Who was he? Jesus Christ. When we go deeper, you understand that Jesus died before he came to die. I will go there. <clears throat> okay? Now, the blood is offered by the priest. Bread is given by kings. It's the responsibility of priests to offer blood on the altar. It is the responsibility of kings to provide bread to the citizens. Provision of bread is not a responsibility of the priest. Sacrificing blood on the altar is not a responsibility of kings. Anytime you are accepting communion, remember that you also have a responsibility to fulfill not just your priestly mandate, but you also have to fulfill your kingly mandate. It's very, very important because when God brought you to the earth, the first thing he told you was that you have dominion. You rule. So when you go into a territory, you dominate that territory. It's your mandate as a king because it is kings that rules in provinces and territory. And that is why if all you do is come to church and all I teach you is to sing some good songs and have some great worship and dance and go home and I don't teach you what it takes to dominate your city, dominate your nation, take territory and rule with the mind of God, we fail. Because we've been called to be kings and priests. Now, today we are going to go a bit deeper. Yok, brah. Today we are going to go a bit deeper. We are going to look at Eden. We are still taking things right from the beginning. We are going to look at Eden in the Bible. I told you people last week, if you read the book of Genesis, the chapter number one, Genesis, the chapter number two, Genesis, the chapter number three, Genesis one to three sums up everything in the Bible. Genesis one to three sums up God's mind entirely. Everything you read from Genesis 
to revelation is summed up in Genesis 1, 2-3. In Eden, or in the Garden of Eden, we completely find God's agenda. We completely find God's will. And if the church would recover the mind of God, we have to be able to decode what went on in Eden. Is that okay? Is that all right? Let's pray. Precious Holy Spirit, I pray for every heart. Pray for every mind. Pray for every soul. You are the great teacher. Spirit of the living God. You are the one that possesses the spirit of understanding. As your word declares in the book of Isaiah, the chapter number 11. That the spirit of understanding will rest upon them. Pray for understanding for my brothers and my sisters. Let their heart be like that of the fertile soil. Let your word fall on a good heart. Let it reap a harvest. Not just a 30, not just a 60. But let it reap a hundredfold. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Eden is a beautiful place in the Bible. Let's go to the book of Genesis. The chapter number two. Are we there? Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. But because in it he rested from all his work, which God created and made. This is the history of the heavens and the earth. When they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Before any plant of the field was in the earth. And before... Any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, for there was no man to till the ground. Genesis 2, verse number 5, is very crucial. People are asking, where is the move of God? People are asking, where is the power of God? People are asking, where's the glory of God? We keep on crying, where's the revival? The revival that we want to see will never happen until God finds people to partner with. Go through history. God has never sent revival upon a land without partnering with men. We can go through the Bible, right from our father Abraham to the great conquest on Mount Carmel by Elijah. Go from that place and come to Samaria when a certain young man called Philip goes and takes a whole nation to ransom. Go to Ephesus. There was a certain man called Paul or Saul of Tarsus. Leave there. Just come to, let's go beyond the Bible and let's come to Azusa. Let's come. There's a certain William Seymour. 
Let's even go beyond that. Let's come to the likes of the Catherine Kuma and the revival and, and the Welsh revival and all of these kind of things. God has never sent a revival by angels. Revival is not sent by angels. Revival is, comes when God finds people to partner with. By the way, when we finish dispensation, the next subject we are going to treat at Kingdom School is in, ge in geology. I'm going to teach you about angels. How they work and how we can effectively partner with them for the move of God. The reason why I'm going to teach this so bad is because we have to see the move of God in our days. Amen. He didn't say amen. amen. I said we have to see the move of God in our days. Amen. But God does not send a move until he finds people to partner with. The word of God is saying in Genesis the chapter number 2, the verse number 5. That this is the history of the heavens and the earth. And the Bible is telling us that before there was any shrub, before there was any tree, before there could be anything, the Bible says that God would cause nothing to happen. He would not cause rain. The Bible talks about how the latter rain is going to be greater than the former rain. The rain is talking about the glory of God. When the Bible says the latter rain is going to be greater than the former rain, it's talking about the glory of God. And the Lord promises us that the latter rain, it means that if the people in the old feel like they've seen the move of God, God is saying that the move I'm about to unleash onto the earth, they have never seen it before. But that move can never manifest until there are people that are willing to partner with God. And it doesn't have to be the whole world. It just has to be a few people who are ready. And that is why I tell you, stop waiting on somebody and get ready for yourself. Why? Because last week we established that God has given the sphere of the place called earth to humanity. If God has given the earth to humanity, God does nothing on earth without, you know, the combination and the partnership of a man. We established last week that there was nowhere in scripture that God had to fight the devil. We have said last week that the opposite of God is not Satan. The opposite of black is white. The opposite of, 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 of blue could be red. But God has no opposite. He's the beginning and the end. Satan is only a creation of God. And a creation cannot be opposite to its creator. I remember last week I told you about a man called Carl Benz. And I said Carl Benz from Mannheim in Germany is the man that manufactured the Mercedes-Benz car. You can never say that the opposite of Mercedes-Benz is Carl Benz. Angels are God's creation. Satan is an angel. He cannot be opposite to God. And that is why I told you that anytime Satan did anything in scripture or he rebelled, it took another angel to deal with him in the name of Michael. But we established something very interesting. That you see, when they were in heaven, anytime Satan would misbehave, Michael would discipline him. But the Bible talks about, you know, on Mount Pisgah, when Moses dies. The Bible says that there's a contention between the body of Moses, between Michael and Lucifer. And the Bible says that for once, Michael could not defeat Lucifer by himself or overturn Lucifer by himself. Why? Because for the first time, they were not fighting in the heavens. They were fighting in the earth realm. 
and angels are not given authority to operate in the earth realm without the invitation of mankind. And that is why last week, when we were here on Wednesday, and when we lifted up that song, the angel of the Lord told me, said, Randolph, you keep singing until we, the battle is done. And when it's done, I will tell you. And that's why we kept singing until I had a sign to say, it is finished and I told you to stop. When you read the book of Daniel 10, a similar thing happened. If Daniel had not continued praying, the prince of Persia would have defeated that little angel. Are you here? Are you learning? The Bible says that God will not cause it to rain on the earth. The rain not didn't just represent, you know, the, the a physical rain, but you know, it was also symbolic of the glory. And the Bible says that God will not cause it to rain upon the earth because there was no man to till the ground. In other words, in order for God to, you know, cause his glory to be revealed in this place called the earth, there has to be a partnership between God and man. And last week we said human beings or mankind is the only people who are legally allowed to operate both in the realms of the natural and the supernatural. Do you remember? Because we said that man is a combination of both natural and supernatural. When God created man, he formed him from the dust of the ground and he breathed his breath in him. So man is a combination of soil and spirit. That is why you could be on earth and operate in heaven. But angels are not combinations of soil and spirit. They are just, you know, spirit. And that is why angels and demons need a body to operate. And that is why your auntie has allowed herself to be a witch so that demons will enter her. <laughs> Tell that auntie of yours to repent. <laughs> May you be a vessel that is willing to partner with God. Amen. If the earth does not see the move of God, God has not lied. We failed him. Yeah. And that's why some of us are nervous too. I have every reason to be in bed. I've been terribly sick. But listen, we are going to labor hard until the glory. Yesterday I was, I was on my bed throughout the whole night praying. And I was asking, Lord, send for your revival. And that was my prayer. That was my prayer. Lord, send it. Lord, send it. Lord, send it. Because I believe in the visions God has showed me. I believe that there will be a great move of God before the day of the Lord comes. And there has to be people that are constantly willing to partner with God. No rain came upon the earth because there was no man to till the ground. May you be a man or a woman that is willing to partner with God. Amen. I said, may you be a man or a woman that is willing to partner with God. Amen. The Bible says in the verse number six, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. You know, just like York. Clean it quickly. And just like I said, there's something that you can use to clean easily. This thing doesn't work. This, this particular thing. Yeah. So over here, the Bible talks about the composition of man. The Bible says that you were formed by the dust of the ground and then you were formed by the breath of God. So we said last week that you are a combination of the natural and the supernatural. See, you are not trying to be a spirit. You see, you see, you see, listen, listen, listen. You should never try to be spiritual. As a matter of fact, it should be a gross error 
for not being spiritual. It's like you were born a woman and you're trying to be a woman. Imagine Tatiana comes and says, Pastor, I really want to be a woman. Pastor, I want to, I want to have breasts. Pastor, I want to have buttocks. Pastor, no, 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 no. Listen, listen, listen. You don't try to be a woman. You are. The problem is that many of us are trying to be spiritual. You don't try. You are. As a matter of fact, you are more of a spirit than physical. Your body is only a housing of the real you. And this is why, you see, there will be something grossly wrong if you don't connect to your spirit man. There's something really wrong if you don't pray. Praying should be normal. Engaging and spiritual exercise should be your norm. Just like eating is normal for you. Now, the truth of the matter is that the spiritual controls the physical. God never intended for the physical to control the spiritual. This is why your life is messed up. That is why you see the people who are into astral projection, they are into occultism, they are into all of this demonology. You know, now there's something coming up, high energy. You know, from the people in the black culture. Oh, you know, they, they are now, some of them are calling upon some rays and they are feeding on the energy of the ancestors and things like that. People are beginning to identify that, you see, it's actually of a benefit to be a spiritual person. Yeah, and you... You don't just have a spirit, but you have the Holy Spirit. And you are still struggling to be spiritual. And I can tell you, the people that control the world are spiritual people. Forget about your votes. Who told you it's your vote who brings the president into power? In the corridors of power, they choose who the prime minister is. When America was going to have the elections, God is my witness, I will not lie. And I wrote it to many of you. I was in the place of prayer the night before the, you know, the night the election had started because they do it midnight, to be honest. I don't have time to be awake. I was sleeping. And the Lord shows me a vision. I'm telling you before God, I'm telling you, I cannot lie. And in this vision, Donald Trump, Biden is leading him. And as Biden is leading him, all of a sudden, results come from about three or four states. And Donald Trump, all of a sudden, begins to recover all the margin that Biden is leading. And then it gets to a place where it gets to a penalty shootout in the vision that I saw. When it got to the place of the penalty shootout, Donald Trump is in the net because he's going to catch because he's the president in power. People brought something, they blindfolded him. They put something like a black cloth in his face and tied it. And then they moved Biden out of the place. And instead of Biden kicking the shot, Another person came to kick and score. I woke up. The Lord said, Trump is playing not against Biden, but he's playing with something which is more than Biden. Biden did not win the elections. 
Yeah. I'm telling you, listen, when I say Biden did not win the election, I'm not saying that he's not the one who won. But look, it took more than Biden to win that election. It was media. It was, it was agenda. It was spiritual. Listen, we have people who are into the Freemasons. They determine who the next president of the world is. When the G12 and you know these people, you think they go and drink tea and biscuit there? <laughs> Hello? And that is why it's very naive of you as a Christian to think that it's your vote that counts. Yeah. That's natural. is governed by the supernatural. And if we can take these cities for God, we have to be supernatural people. Are you here? This is why you, listen, anytime you decide not to be spiritual, you cause the kingdom. You, until pastor declares a fast, you've never even declared a fast for yourself. As a matter of fact, when you fast for one week, you're excited. I've really been able to fast. You should be crying. <laughs> you should actually be happy that you've been able to eat. You know, like, oh, I've really been able to eat. Not, 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 not fast. Because there's the spiritual that controls the supernatural. Listen, no matter what our good intentions are as people of the kingdom, if we lose our spirituality, we can never conquer it. Are we here? Are we learning? Let's continue. Verse number eight. Then God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put a man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree that grows pleasant to the side that, that is good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of the, you know, went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there, you know, it parted and became four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon. The next one is, you know, um, 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 Havila, and where there is gold and the gold. Da, 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 da. So over here, the Bible says that God now begins to plant a garden. Now, please observe this. Where was the garden planted? In where? God plants this garden and the Bible says that God puts mankind in. Or God puts Adam in. God puts humanity in. So number one, over there we realize that God places Adam in his domain of rulership. God puts Adam in his domain of rulership. I'm going to teach you something very crucial. Eden, just by its name, means delight. Okay? The literal trans meaning of Eden is delight. It is what? Delight. Eden means what? Delight. It could also mean presence. The first place God placed man is where? What does it tell you? Tati, what does it tell you? He has great intention towards us. That God would create man and place man in the place that delights him. 
God didn't put man in a war to zone. Now you've got to understand that that is not the only place that existed. Please, I need a lot of concentration for you to be able to grab this. If that is the only place that existed, then God would have had nowhere to drive Adam and Eve out to go. Do you agree? Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah. That this is the garden. If God is driving Adam and Eve out, it means that he's driving them out to somewhere. Is it agreed? Yeah. Because over here, when we go to the book of Genesis, the chapter number three, the Bible says that when God drives Adam and Eve from the garden, he actually puts an angel who is carrying flames of fire at the entrance of the garden so that he will stop Adam and Eve from coming back in. So he drove them from the garden to a certain place. Agreed? Agreed? As of now, the very thing we've still not been able to recover spiritually is where Eden actually is. Do you know why we've not discovered where Eden is? Because the day we discover where Eden is, we discover where the tree of life is. If we discover where the tree of life is, the potential that we can go and eat it is high. If we are able to go and eat of the tree of life, it means sin will live forever. But when we go to be with God, when we are raptured in heaven, God will bring us to Eden. And this time, God will not visit us. The Bible says he will come and live with us. This is Eden. When Adam and Eve sin, they are driven from Eden to another place. And an angel is placed to stop Adam and Eve from coming to the garden. What then is Eden? Eden is more than a garden. It's a kingdom. The essence of the sin of Adam and Eve was not that they would miss out heaven. And I'm telling you, be very careful about what you say in Adam and Eve, about Adam and Eve, because you might meet them in heaven. <laughs> and they may really ask you some questions. <laughs> Yo, you preacher man, what were you telling the people? <laughs> listen, listen, you have no right to blame Eve. Yeah. Do you know why? Right. Do you know why? Because even in your redeemed state, you still do the very thing you did. It means if you were in the garden, 
You would not have just chewed the fruit, you'd have eaten the tree. <laughs> and then you ask the man, is that another tree to chew? Do, do, you know, do you know, do you know that even Eden and the tree represents tithing? Do you know that? Do you know that? Do you know that? Let me show you. The Lord said, in the garden, every tree you can eat it. He said you can eat all the tree, but only this one. Don't touch. Your time. He said the nine is for you. But just one. Give it to me. God said eat everything, but that just one particular tree. Don't touch it. God has told you, whatever you have, take the nine, but the one tenth, don't touch it. It's mine. And guess what? We blow the nine, blow the one, and even oh. Listen, anytime you are reading the Bible, I've taught some of you who are in a mentorship school. You don't just read the Bible for the sake of it. How many of you know or have ever heard of crude oil before? Lift up your hand and let me see. Crude oil. Nobody. Okay, so crude oil is where they mine, they mine most of them in Nigeria, Saudi Arabia, all of these kind of places. Crude oil is what is the raw material. That is where we get gold, not gold. That's where we have petrol. That's where we have diesel. That's where we have gas. That is where we have kerosene. And then we have what is called bitumen. It's such an important um, commodity that there's no part of crude oil that goes waste. And this is why the people from, you know, the Arab nations are very rich. The Western people are trying to rob them of their riches and because the Western people can't have the crude oil, they are now beginning to introduce electric cars so that we don't have to buy petrol. Because the more they buy petrol, this is why, you know, there was so much corruption and war in Nigeria because of the crude oil. So the crude oil is the raw material. When you mine the crude oil, the first thing that comes out is petrol. After you've received the petrol, it goes through another processing and then diesel comes out. And then it goes through another processing and then gas, LPG, come out. And it goes through another process and kerosene come out. And then after kerosene, we have what we call butamen. Butamen is what they use for roots. That black thing that makes the roots black. That thing that, you know, they put the, the sand in and it arrests the road and they, the, it's butamen. So there's no part of the crude oil that goes waste. But you realize that in every level of processing, something comes out. It's the same with your Bible. If you just read the Bible at surface level and you leave it, you've just had petrol. 
you'll not get all of this. So when you pick up your Bible, we have stages. That is why, you see, you don't read the Bible. Study. Tell somebody, study. This is why, listen, you have to make time. You have to make what? Time. It's simple. If you want to have the enhanced benefit, you should be willing to make time. Is that okay? You cannot pick up your Bible for 15 minutes and know anything. So, when I pick up my Bible, the Bible, in order for me, that is what the Bible says, the word of God, Paul told, you know, Timothy, that you study to show yourself approved. Okay? So when I pick up my Bible, the first level is called observation. Write it down. This is not even supposed to be part of what I'm teaching After observation, it goes through another phase. It's called interpretation. Then it goes to another level. It's called application. And then it comes to the final level called meditation. Until you achieve all of this level, you have not completely studied your Bible. Are you learning here? Are you learning? So when I pick up my Bible, observation. Observation simply talks about what you are reading. What is the surface understanding? If it's David and Goliath, it's David and Goliath. So the brothers of David, you know, uh, um, the father of David sent David to go to the farm to give food to the brothers. And he went and the brother said, you are too known. What are you coming to do here? Don't you? That is observation. In observation, you just study the Bible in context. Because you need to know the story. Tomorrow, if somebody calls you and says, tell us the story, you should be able to tell us the story. But knowing the story does not mean that you have understanding of the story. Is that okay? You can know something, it does not mean you understand it. So you go beyond just knowing the story. And this is why people are tired of church because we've gotten to a place all our deacons come and tell us a story. The very stories our Sunday school teachers taught us when we were two years old. You've told us enough about Abraham and Sarah, it's good. You now go to the place where it's called interpretation. The realm of interpretation is the place of understanding. This is where you spend time. This is where you study books, you study Bibles, having three versions, four versions, having, you know, your, your Strong's Dictionary, understanding the etymology of the word, understanding the Hebrew meaning, understanding the Greek meaning. When you come to the place of interpretation, it goes beyond just knowing the story. You now read to understand the story. So in the place of understanding, you realize that, okay, you know, David's father sent him to go and give food. But God, it was actually God that was moving the father to send him to that place because it was only David who was equipped to defeat Goliath. So in as much as it's David's father that sent him, the understanding will tell you that it was actually the hand of God that was moving him. Over here, 
in these intense studies, in the place of interpretation, you can sit on one text for about an hour. That is where the concordances come. It begins to connect scriptures to you. You click this chapter, it will take you to Hebrew. So in Genesis, the chapter number 14 is talking about a certain man called Melchizedek. And then when you click it, to bring it to the book of Hebrews, the chapter number 7. And it begins to talk about this Melchizedek, you know, is the high priest. Da, 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 da. So this is the place where you spend time. Listen, you can crack here for one hour. That is why you need to make time for God. If you're not ready, don't pick the Bible. You have to set an appointment with God and keep it. But if you want to be a student of the word, at least one hour of your time, that is not a time for phones. That's not a time for friends. And that is why we usually do this early in the morning or late in the night. Are you here? You've cracked that. You've gotten all the revelation. The revelations you have received is not important until it can be applicable to your life. So you come to the place of application. Say application. application. Say application. application. In the place of application, what happens? You put yourself in the story. So you are reading about David. This time it's not David. It's Nathan. Because if the story does not become Natalie, it will be of no use to you. And every context of the Bible is applicable to you. So I pick up my Bible. I read it one, two. Just observation. I go deeper. Pick up my study Bibles. Discover, understand interpretation. Now I come to put myself in the story. Application. So David, you know, was killing Goliath. It means that what is God telling me? God is telling me no matter what giant that faces me in life. No matter what looks like a giant. Whether it's in my education. Whether it is in my family. Whether it's sickness. Just like David. If I can trust the grace of God. That represents, you know, the five stones. And not just the grace of God. The Bible says that David even killed him with five smooth stones. It means that if I don't determine on my own strength. And I begin to determine on the strength of God. No matter what faces me, I will crush it. At that level, you come to the place of application. You are reading the story of Esther. A certain woman comes and Vashti, oh yeah, Vashti, yeah, you know, Vashti, Vashti. No, 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 no. You put yourself and God tells you, listen, you could be like Vashti. If the king is asking Vashti to come, the king could be a type of God. So if the king is calling Vashti, God is calling me. God is saying that come and, and you know, delight yourself in front of me of my people. If I don't do the things that God is asking me to, I could be replaced. When you are blaming Eve, put yourself in the story. And think of the number of trees you've eaten. <laughs> this is why if God don't have mercy on us, nobody will make it to heaven. That's why I saw the time. It's grace that will take us to heaven. Because the things you are condemned. Oh, Peter, why did Peter, this Peter, why did you deny? How many times have you denied Jesus? And after you've put in yourself in the Bible, in a place of application, the Bible says in Psalm 1, 
He meditates on the word day and night. Meditation is an agricultural biological word. You know, cows, they meditate. When they chew. That's why you see a cow sleeping and chewing. Or you see a, you see a sheep sleeping and doing... Mm. Because they have three chambers of their stomach. So when they get food, they take too much and they store some in the other chamber. So when they are sleeping, they bring the food back into their mouth and begin to chew it again. That is meditation. Meditation is when you pick portions of the scripture Store it in your soul. And throughout the whole day, as you are going and you are coming, you are bringing it back and you are chewing. And the Bible says that if you get to the place of meditating upon it, the Bible said, he said to Joshua, he said, when you can meditate upon this day and night and observe, because you see, you cannot observe to do what is not stored in you. Some of you, when you are sinning, you don't even feel like you are sinning because there's no word of God in you that will prompt you you are sinning. Because I tell you, the moment you open that pornography on your laptop, you're about to watch. Galatians 5 will jump. People who do these things will not inherit the kingdom. You put up, you close the laptop immediately. Are you here? All of a sudden, you're about to. You're about to watch the porn. And then just as you're about to watch the porn, you see the Galatians 5 will come. (laughs) Adulterers, fornicators, these kind of people will not inherit the kingdom of God. Then all of a sudden, you close the laptop. (laughs) Do you know why? Because the word of God has come out of you. The word of God is instructing. So in the place of meditation, the words we have stored in our heart, we bring it back. The word of God, in order for you to have its full effect in your life, it must go through all of these processes. Most of you, you just open, you read here, you close the Bible. And no wonder you can't even quote scriptures. And let me tell you, it's not your words that moves heaven. It's the word of God. You can cry all you want. Heaven is not moved by tears. Forget all the Nigerian movie you see and the women are crying and all of us. No, 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 no. Heaven is not moved by tears. If heaven is moved by tears, Hannah would have received a miracle her first time she went to Shiloh. Heaven is moved by covenant. It's moved by the word of God. Are you learning here? So make time for the word of God. Say make time for the word of God. Set time. I have a time set to study the word. I have a time set to read books. If if the time comes, I know I have an appointment to leave. Because if you want to grow, you have to be intentional. Are we here? Let's go back to Eden. Any question at this point on what I've spoken about? Any question? Are we learning? 
Let's go back to Eden. Again, I said if you read Genesis the chapter number one to Genesis the chapter number three, you see everything that has enveloped in scripture. You see all the intents of God, the will of God for man to make man in his image, to place him in his delight, how sin comes and how you know sin robs man of his place, how man loses the kingdom and God's plan for redemption when he begins to you know adhere punishment and things like that and say to the serpent. So Genesis, the chapter number, Genesis 1 to Genesis 3, in its totality, you know, encompasses everything about the will of God and about the mind of God. Now, Adam and Eve are in this place called Eden. We know that God gives them a clear instruction. Next week, Tuesday, we are going to talk about sin. And that is a very interesting topic. How many of you know that even not praying is a sin? Or not praying could be a sin? Sin is an interesting subject. The African Christian thinks that if you don't smoke, if you don't have sex, and you don't drink alcohol, you are pure. So you ask them, do you see? No. Why? Oh, I don't smoke. <laughs> I don't drink. And I'm not fornicating. When we tackle the concept of sin, we would also go to a place where you discover that something could be a sin for Elia, but not necessarily a sin for Randolph. So you become careful by living your life according to what other people are doing. When people are fooling around you, I beg, don't fool with them. Because there's a certain kind of sin that is according to Revelation. Go there next week. Are you learning? Listen, the Bible says that you run your race that is set ahead of you. Don't look at Natalie, don't look at Richie, let's focus on your race. Is anybody confused? Don't be confused about sin because I've not started talking about it. You cannot be confused about something I've not said anything about. It's not okay. There are things that you need to understand. Eden, write this down. Number one, York, be clean. Both of them? Yeah, they're clean everything. I don't even know why I drew this. <laughs> I'm so bad in drawing. Okay. 
What is the time? Eight sixteen. I promised my wife I'll close at nine today. Write this down. Eden. Write the significance of Eden. Number one, Eden represents heaven on earth. This is why Adam never had to go to heaven because he was already on heaven. He was already in heaven even though he was on earth. Eden represents? I mean, look at the picture. It could only be heaven. There's water from here. Some of them are just gold. Everything you want. I mean, what else could Adam have dreamed of? The, the literal meaning of Eden is delight. Eden was heaven on earth. Why would God make Eden heaven on earth? Because God did not want Adam to desire anything in heaven. Oh, you didn't hear me. Eden itself was heaven on earth. Okay? And this is why Adam did not need to take a train, buy KLM seat, fly to heaven to go enjoy some goodness and then come down to the earth. The intention of God for humanity that on the place called earth, man would have everything they could ever have in heaven. The will of God is not heaven to become like the earth. The will of God is that the earth would become like heaven. And that is why when he says when you pray, you pray that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God designed the earth to be like heaven. Do you get it? Do you get it? God is a good God. I said God is a good God. Apart from the fact that Eden represented heaven on earth, Eden was also a realm. Eden was also a realm within the earth. It means that, that means that there could be, there is certainly something that existed apart from Eden. Is it clear? Is it clear? So Eden is a realm. Eden was a realm within the earth. Why so? Because if Eden was all that existed, then where did our God suck Adam and Eve to be? Understood? Because we understood that within Eden, there was a gate. Adam and Eve were kicked out of there and an angel was placed. When they walked out in, of Eden, where did they go? Because they stepped into another realm still within the earth. Is that clear? What then is Eden? Eden is more than a place. Eden represents the kingdom of God. Say the kingdom of God. 
There are two things that when you read the Bible, you come across mostly. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven. This is very confusing. Many people get confused about it. What's the kingdom of God? What's the kingdom of heaven? Adam and Eve, in their sinning, they lost Eden. They did not lose heaven. Because heaven was not even there. So how can you lose something you never had? Okay? Guys, listen. Heaven is great. Heaven is amazing. We would go to heaven. We would be in heaven. I will be in heaven. Amen. Me, Paul, Peter, James, John, we would chill in heaven. My orange juice. <laughs> my biscuits. Me and them walking on the street, 5th Avenue, West Annex. <laughs> where my mansions are. Downtown heaven. Abraham Street. If you turn the left right corner, you see the Randolph Estate. Make sure you make it to heaven and visit me. Guys, listen. Why do you think we are going crazy? If there's nothing to inherit, you would have been sleeping. That's why the word of God says that your labor will not be in vain. Heaven is a great place we would go. But understand this. God never designed heaven for you in the first place. I told you last week, if there had never been sin, we would have never gone to heaven. Do you know why? Because everything we could have had in heaven, he gave it to us on earth. The only reason why we are going to heaven is this. Sin has corrupted the earth. So God will take us there, redesign the earth, and then we come back. So if the Christian says, this world is not my home, I'm just uh, passing through. I have a better home somewhere beyond the blue where the angels back on me. From heaven's open door. And I cannot feel at home in this world anymore. If you cannot feel at home here, you can't feel at home in heaven. Yeah. This is the lie the devil has sold to the church. Mm. And this is why demons and principalities and witches have taken over the control of the earth. Because the Christian says that I want to go to heaven, I don't care about the earth. Even where you sit in heaven is determined by what you did on earth. The Bible says you focus on heaven but you have to be relevant on earth. The Bible didn't say desire. He said fix your eyes on things above. Fix your eyes. There's no way the Bible says that. You know, He said just fix your eyes there. In other words, look at how things are operated there. Let that be your motivation. I want to see how things are in operation in heaven so that I can duplicate it here on earth. Wow. Heaven is not a reason to be utterly useless. So you see certain women, you see certain women, 
with scarf on their head. They don't do makeup. They don't wear wig. They have a gun from top to toe. They don't evangelize. They don't do anything. They are just sat at home because they want to, they are trying to dress up so that they can go to heaven. They are waste of sperm. Now, now, now look at all the hypocrites. Look at the hypocrites. They, they had spam. They're acting like they don't know what it is. Don't let me say things. Tell somebody, don't let pastor say things. Tell the person, you know what pastor is talking about. Josephina, do you know? You know? See me in the office. You have to explain how you got to know. Is it by evidence or by study? Or is it by revelation? When Adam and Eve sinned, God drove them out of the garden. But when they left the garden, they still functioned. They built a city, had children, lived their life. What then did they lose? They lost the garden. What then did they really lose? They lost the kingdom. This is why when Jesus Christ came to the earth, the first sermon he preached was about the kingdom. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom you lost is at hand, is here. Hello? Hi. Let me tell you an interesting thing. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, when the Lord drove them out of the garden, the Bible says that he placed cherubs, cherubim, Angels that are holding flames of fire at the entrance of the door to stop them from coming. When we go to sin next week, I will explain deeper in that dimension. So that means that they could not enter. At that point in time, grace ended. Grace was substituted by works. That means that right from the Garden of Eden, man had to now work up his way to God. Never, you see, heaven and hell had no door locking the two. Listen to what I'm saying. In the garden, there was no door locking heaven and hell. Not hell. Heaven and the garden or the earth. The moment man sinned, the angels that drove Adam and Eve from the garden were not just shutting a physical garden, but all of a sudden, there was a door from the outer court to the inner court and to the Holy of Holies. Because the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God, was at the Holy of Holies. And all of a sudden, God says that not everybody could enter. Even the priest could come there only once the whole year. Please listen to what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to show you something. 
This is the garden. It has doors. And I said, until sin, there was no doorway connecting the earth and the heaven. It was a portal. Just like Jacob said, there was a ladder. There was a free, a free flow. Angels ascend and they descend. When man lost, or when man sinned, all of a sudden, the doors which connected the portal were closed. So that means that now, in order for man to encounter God at first is grace. Grace means that, listen, you don't, it's not any hard work. It's done for you. Disobedience says you want to take the right into your own hands. What I'm giving you for free, you're going to work for it. All of a sudden, that free flow was now blocked by doors. So this outer court, this inner court, this is holy of holies, and this is what the ark of the covenant, the presence of God. It means that the presence of God became far from man. Are you here? Are you here? Next week we are going to go there deeply when we talk about sin. So now, if you want to go see God, fasting five times a day, not brushing my teeth, acting holy for one month, sacrificing goats and bulls to bring you to here. And then you try. And then you're going there. And then you're going there. So now, man lost the kingdom because he lost Eden. Are we here? Yes. Is it clear? Yes. Is it clear? Yes. When Jesus Christ died, the first thing he does, no? He removes the veil. Do you know what the veil is? It's the gate. Do you know which gate? The one that was closed in Eden. Are you here? The first thing Jesus Christ gave back to us is the kingdom. It's access. So the Bible says that now therefore let us all come before the throne of represents the kingdom of God. I said when you read the Bible, there are two things you always come in contact with. Kingdom of God. Kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of God, kingdom of Satan or darkness. There are just two kingdoms in this world. There is no neutral kingdom. Say there is no neutral kingdom. Say you are either in the kingdom of God or you are in the kingdom of darkness. Say you're either for God or for Satan. There is no neutrality. Write it down. There is no neutrality when it comes to kingdom. Okay? 
So it depends on where you operate. And where you operate is based on your decisions, your choice, whether you've decided to accept God's free gift to mankind or not. It's not about how good you are. It's either you've accepted the son or rejected him. And this is why it should pain us that very good friends of ours who are great humanly, how they are great humanly, we have to really pray that they would just get to the place where they accept the free gift of God. And that is why you see, if you have a friend you love, but you don't have the opportunity to tell them about the Christ, you are costing them great. Cornelius was a great man. He was a giver. But the Lord said, send men to Joppa to find a man called Peter who will come and tell you how both you and your entire household will be saved. Listen, you've got to be born again. Some of you had a preaching. Say, who wants to accept Christ? You went there and you were born again. And you didn't even understand what you were being born again into. So we have born again Christians. They don't know why they've been born again. We are going to go there. There are only two kingdoms. It's either the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness. The reason is that you either have a choice to be for God or Satan. When we talk about the kingdom of God, like I said, there are two realms in that dimension. We have the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. These two means the same thing, but yet it is very different. Say kingdom of God. Say kingdom of heaven. Why does it mean the same thing? Because the kingdom of heaven is still incorporated in the kingdom of God. Inasmuch as the kingdom of heaven is still incorporated in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is a standalone. In mathematics, we call it a subset. How many of you studied sets? So you see that you don't study to pass exam, you study for life. Are we here? Some of you just studied for the exam. Two days to the exam. You chew it, you pour, you forget. Chew, pour, forget. Understand this. The kingdom of God is this whole circle. The kingdom of heaven is part of the kingdom of God. Anytime you hear of the kingdom of heaven, we are talking about a place. Anytime you hear of the kingdom of God, we are talking about a realm. Who is confused? You get there. Say kingdom of heaven. Say kingdom of God. So number one, right? The kingdom of heaven is part of the kingdom of God. 
However, the kingdom of heaven is a place. The kingdom of God is a realm. Jesus said that if by the finger of God I cast out devils, then know that the kingdom of God has come. And he says that the kingdom of God first is in you. Because the kingdom of God is a realm. The kingdom of heaven as Christians is a place. Is the place we call our headquarters. Say headquarters. Where is your headquarters? Where? It's your? Because it is a? Anytime you hear kingdom of heaven, it's talking about a place. That is where God is. That's heaven. So he talks about the fact that the people who fornicate and stuff like that, blah, 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 they are not going to be going to the kingdom of, they cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven. Because anytime you hear the kingdom of heaven is a place, it's an actual place. Psalm 115, the verse number 16, the Bible says that the heavens belong to God. There's a place he dwells. There's a dimension in the third heavens that God abides. Hello? However, the kingdom of God is not limited to a place, it's a realm. Everywhere God reigns is his kingdom. Everywhere God reigns is his kingdom. Everywhere God reigns, whether physically, whether spiritually, everywhere God reigns, because listen, you cannot be a king and not have a territory. Do you know why it's the kingdom of God? It's his territory. You cannot call yourself a king without a territory. So what it means is this. If you surrender your life to God, where is he reigning? No? Where is he reigning? In your, your heart is your, your life. So at that point in time, you as a person, you are the kingdom of God. Why? It has become the territory of God where he's reigning. So it is his kingdom. He is the ruler there. He is the supreme in command. When you're talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God now begins... Oh my God, The kingdom of God does not begin from a place. It begins from the heart of men. And the kingdom of God transcends the heart of men. And if these men have understanding, it goes beyond their heart and it begins to manifest in physical territories. Hello? So, as we are here, where are we? Where is this place? And it is there? It's the kingdom of? Why is it the kingdom of God? Because as we are here, who is reigning? When we live here, it's not the kingdom of God. It's a building. If witches come and rent this place, this place is not the kingdom of God. This place has become the kingdom of the devil. Are are we clear? So the kingdom do you understand it? So the kingdom of God starts from the heart of man. Now, when these men 
you know, goes beyond the place of death, hiding it within their heart, and they begin to use it to dominate territories. The territories become part of the places that God rules. And that is why God wants you to go to parliament. That is why God wants us to have kings. That is why God wants us to be in places of authority. That is why God don't just ask, want us to receive the gospel. He wants the, the gospel to also be part of our family so that when you open your household and you enter, not just your heart, but your kitchen, your bathroom, and everything becomes that kind of place where God is reigning. If it is his territory, it is his kingdom. Is it clear? So the kingdom of God is a? Is what? It means that it is a? Every territory where God reigns is the kingdom of what? Do you know why the kingdom of heaven is part of the kingdom of God? Because he reigns there as well. Is it clear? So when we say the kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God does not just want to rule in your heart. God wants to rule the earth. Yes. No. The kingdom of heaven is part of the kingdom of God. Why do you think it, why, why do you assume it has more power? I want to understand your logic. Huh? God's power is not dependent on who it's resting. God is all powerful by himself. Yeah? He's God all by himself. The only difference is that the kingdom of heaven is actually a location. The kingdom of God is a realm. The kingdom of heaven is part of the kingdom of God. Let me give you an example. Where are you from? Not, not your, your, I mean, where are you from? France? French passport? Okay. So France. Do you know the French embassy here is part of France? Do you know that land is part of France? Do you know it does not belong to the UK government? The moment, the, that is why when the UK police is chasing you, if I go and steal and I run and I enter the French embassy, the UK police cannot come and get me unless the people in the embassy push me out. Do you know why? Because the moment the UK police enter that embassy, they've gone beyond their border. They've encroached another person's territory. Because that place, even though it is on the UK, it is France. Okay? So, the UK embassy, it does not matter how much small it is. It is not less in any... The French embassy here, you know, no matter how much, it is just one room. The size does not matter. The powers that are existent there is the same power that is existent in France. Okay? What it means is that if we come and understand and become the people of the kingdom and understand the concept of kingdom and we understand, you know, all that is available to us in the kingdom, we have the capacity to be such a so much of a force to reckon with that we can replicate what is happening here on earth. Did you hear the story of, of, of that American uh, you know, ambassador in the UK who knocked somebody off with a car, killed her, and the police couldn't arrest her? Have you heard it? Oh, it was a trending story last year. Who heard it? Yeah. And an ambassador from America hit someone with a car here. The police couldn't arrest her. She picked up a flight and went back to America. And now have the girl's parents have taken planes 
have gone to America and petitioned the president to release that person for arrest. Do you know why the UK people couldn't touch her, touch the ambassador? Because an ambassador has unlimited powers. There are certain privileges that comes with an ambassador that even when they breach the law of the land, the people of the land don't have the responsibility to try the ambassador unless the city and land which the ambassador is coming from releases him. Can you imagine what it means to be an ambassador of the kingdom of God? But you see, when the enemy knows you are ignorant of the law, if the enemy knows you are ignorant of who you truly are, he has a right to abuse you and bully you and kill you. And that's why the Bible says that we don't perish for the lack of anointing. We perish for the lack of knowledge. So don't just go about and say, I'm an ambassador of the kingdom. I'm an am-. No, do you know what it means to be an ambassador? Do you know what it means to be a man? Or Listen, 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 listen. When you're going up and that there are angels walking next to you, never feel you alone. Listen, if you are really alone, the enemy would have if we were really alone, look, some of us would be dead by now. Listen, there are some of us, if God decides to release his angels from us for a second, the devil would. You think the enemy is happy with me? You think the enemy is actually happy you are here teaching you the truth? Do you know what it means? But why? Why can't the enemy touch us? Because we know that they that are with us I'm more than those that are against us. I know who I am. I know whom I belong to. I know what is available to me. That's what the Bible says, that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. There is nowhere we walk. We are lonely. Because you know what? Every ambassador is granted protection. Listen, don't just talk about the fact that you are, you are, you are an ambassador of a kingdom for hype. Understand what it comes with an ambassador. Oh, some of us, I tell you, we will be having dead. I remember there was a day I went to preach from Germany to Belgium. I mean, for four or five years, I've driven this on this road. I know the road by heart. All of a sudden, I get to a place and I get lost. The GPS will navigate itself. I would go Go through some mountains and come through the same place. I'll go through the mountain and come to the same place. And I'm asking, what's wrong? Why is this Tom Tom just taking me and taking me? And for almost about one hour, I am navigating, I'm navigating, I come to the same place. Immediately, the Holy Spirit drops and he says, Son, the road is clear, now go. He said, There was an accident set ahead of you. He said, There was an accident awaiting for you, and I had to delay you. Now the road is clear, you can go. <laughs> And that's why some of you, when you are doing some things and it's not, it's not working, don't strive with God. Some of you like striving with God. You lost the train for some reason. You begin to scream. Do you know what you've been delivered from? Slap you. Look at the lizard. <laughs> Continue to be led. You'll be led for heaven. <laughs> I 
see, some of you are not spiritual. Listen, the most greatest privilege in life is to be part of this kingdom. And he says that, he said, what? Matthew 6, 33 said that what should be your priority? What? Because all that you ever need in your life is in the kingdom. That's why he says when you seek the kingdom, all the rest will be added. Jesus Christ did not come to restore heaven to us. He came to restore the kingdom of God. How many times did Jesus talk about heaven? Go read the Bible. Go to the Bible. How many times did Jesus speak about the kingdom? And how many times did he talk about heaven? His first sermon, if you want to understand them, his first sermon was that he came to restore the kingdom. The Bible says in Matthew 24, 14, it's the message of the kingdom that must be preached, not the message of heaven. Somebody said, why don't you preach about hell? Why don't you preach about heaven? Because the message of heaven and hell are part, it's in the kingdom. It's not a, it's not a message that stands by itself. If I just teach you how you make it to heaven, and I don't teach you how to walk in your calling, you would get to heaven and be disappointed. The objective is not to go to heaven. The objective is to go to heaven well. Tell somebody you go well. Go well. Some of you will be toilet cleaners in heaven. <laughs> when I've used the WC, I'll see you cleaning that. I say, Tatiana! No! Come on! Pastor, when you were preaching, they don't take it seriously. <laughs> Tell somebody, go to heaven where? <laughs> listen, 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 listen. Don't die until you accomplish every purpose you require. Yeah. Are you learning here? Say the kingdom of God. So when Jesus Christ died, the curtains were torn. It means that now we could access the kingdom. But because the kingdom is available and because by nature we are born sinful, you cannot access the kingdom until you are born again. This is why you, when we come and say, you know, come and lift up your hand and say, today, um, today I said Jesus, that is why you see, I was telling these boys, whatever gets the job done is good. But if the only reason why people are coming to know Jesus is so that they don't go to hell, we've not preached the total gospel. Hell should not be people's motivation to be yeah. saved. The kingdom of God should be our motivation why we want to be saved. 
Because we identify where we You know, some of you, you know, there are people that, they, you know, the evangelists will come. If you don't change, you are going to hell. And they'll come and lift up their hands. Not because they love God, they want to avoid hell. Again, if it gets the job done, fine. There are some of you, if only, it's only hell preaching that can change you. <laughs> so let it change you. But when you come there, come and discover the kingdom you've been born to. Let's go to the book of John, the chapter number three. Why are you a born again Christian? Kule Are you learning here at all? I said, are you here learning here at all? Yeah. This is not about dancing as one too. <laughs> and singing all other go too. It's by understanding. Say understanding. understanding. Say understanding. understanding. The Bible says that you get wisdom. And in all thy getting, understanding. Yeah? John, the chapter number three. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. But no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom. Tell somebody, being born again, born again. is only the first step. Being born again is not the completion. There are certain people, the day they accepted Jesus as their Lord and Supreme Savior, they just folded their hands, I am born again. It's only the first step. What it means that, it says that most of the assuredly I say to you, except a man is born again, he cannot. So when you are born again, what, what do you do? It means that until you were born again, you were blind. That is why the Bible says that the God of this world has done what? Blinded their what? Their eyes. So the moment you said, I am born again, what happens is that the veil is what? So now you can what? See. But watch this. He said that except a man is born again, the Bible does not just write things for the sake of writing. He says that if he's not born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born again when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom. The dynamics change. Then he says that, that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel when I say to you, you must be born again. He didn't say you may. He said you must because it is a must for you to access the kingdom. The day you accepted Jesus as your Lord and your personal savior, you have the opportunity to see the kingdom. Seeing the kingdom does not mean you've entered. You agree? Yeah. Did Moses see Canaan? Did Moses see Canaan? No. Did, did Moses see Canaan? Yes. Did Moses see Canaan? Yes. Did Moses see Canaan? Yes. Did he enter Canaan? No. <laughs> How many of you have seen Washington, D.C. before? Lift up your hand. 
I didn't say how many of you have entered. How many of you have seen the White House before? You've seen the White House. Lift up your hand and let me see. Rebecca, you've never seen the White House before? Have you ever seen the White House before? Lift up your hand. How many of you have entered the White House? Oh, but yeah, you've entered as a tourist. You've entered there. Clap for her. She's been there. So it means there's a difference between and there's a difference between So you must be born again because God blindfolded you or sin blindfolded you and because of that you were ejected from the kingdom. When we become born again, we have access to see and then when we are born of water and the spirit, we have the capacity to enter. The water and the spirit is going to be another topic we are going to treat. I don't want to go there because if you are just born again, you'll probably be seeing and that is why let me tell you, Almost 98% of Christians have not yet entered the kingdom. 98% of Christians have not possessed the kingdom because we don't even know what the kingdom How can you possess something you don't know? Jesus said that little children, it delights the Father to give you the kingdom. Hello? Do you know, do you see why it's very important that we preach the kingdom of God? Is the totality of our existence. So when we are born again, we are born so that we can have access to the kingdom. Like I said, the first sermon of Jesus was to restore the kingdom. In fact, it was to restore the grace of God. Is that okay? Is that okay? Is that all right? So, we are already in the kingdom on the day of judgment when it's all said and done we would enter the kingdom of where? The intent of God that the earth Becomes like the kingdom of where? Heaven. Because if we allow God to rule through us, we will bring the kingdom not just from our hearts into the realm of the place called where? The earth. And what it means is that God would reign upon where? If you want God to reign upon the earth, let him reign through you. And that is why we must save more people into the kingdom. Because the more people we have, the more we are able to govern the earth. With the kingdom or the principles of the kingdom. Is that okay? There's a clear difference between the earth and the world. The earth and the world are not the same things. Psalm 24 says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. It's very important. The earth, the world, the people. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those. That God, so it means that the people are in the world, the world is in the earth. The earth 
talks of a place. The world is a system. Jesus is the God of all the earth, but he's not the God of the world. However, it's the world that rules the earth. The world is a system. That is why we, in Greek, the word is called cosmos. Cosmos is what you have, the word cosmetic or cosmopolitan. Okay? How many of you have seen a Windows computer before? How many of you have ever bought a Windows computer? May God, how many of you have a Windows computer? Let's have your hand. May God give you money to buy Mac. Say amen. amen. <laughs> Let me see. Lift it up. Let me see. Jesus. Uh, lift it up and let me see. Lift it up. See this thing. Natalie, lift it. Lift it. This is grace. This is hard work. See now, lift it. Let me see. See grace. See grace. It's grace. By grace, you are saved. Let me see this. Windows is hard work. <laughs> Mark is grace. Look, look, look at all, look, look, look. <laughs> Why is it so big like that? <laughs> Watch this. Jesus said, the prince of this world is coming. The people, the world, the earth. When you buy a Windows computer, yeah. <laughs> Do you know Windows computer is very expensive? Do you know? Yeah. When you go and buy Windows computer, over there, they will tell you, buy Windows 2007 or what's the name? Windows 10 and things like that. Do you know why? Because if you don't buy the Windows 10 software, the computer you bought is useless. So after you've bought a computer, they tell you to buy a CD there. And then, or they'll, I tell you, buy antivirus there. Yeah. The Windows 10 operating software is just a CD. Now they don't use a CD, they put it on a pen drive. Yeah. But you see, no matter how much big your computer is, if you don't buy that Windows 10 program, the computer is useless. Because the computer cannot function without operating system. The earth is the computer. The world is the operating system. Do you know why there's too much sin in the world? Or upon the earth? Do you know why we are sinning and things are hard? Because the operating system functioning is not of God. So over here, even when they want to advertise water, you have to bring your woman who is naked. 
you see a woman with her nipples pointing like a python. <laughs> a woman, hey, hey, listen. Hypocrites, look at me. You think we are joking here? We were in Brussels and we saw naked people on bicycle riding in Brussels. Naked people. We asked them, apparently they are shooting an advert for water. And they said the water is as pure as a virgin. <laughs> if you live in a place where everything is sold by nudity, God is not reigning there. The operating system is wrong. This is why the Lord said, when you pray, ask the Father that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is an error, it's an operating system. So in other words, if the earth would function correctly, we have to be the people in the place of decision making so that we can introduce a new operating system that is God inspired and not Satan inspired. So when we come to the place of authority, the decisions, the systems that we build is a system that is built on the word of what? God. In this world, you either rule or you are ruled. This is why there's so much mess. Because the printing system is not God-inspired. And which people create the system? People who have either surrendered themselves to God or Satan. Yes, boss. The, the world is the system. Yes, boss. The people are in the world. So that means that the system controls the people. The people also determine the system. Mm-hmm. The people are the board. Now they are not the board. Boss, who the people decide to yield themselves to control. That's why the Bible says that you should make your members as slaves to God and of the enemy, not of the enemy. All the people that are ruling, the people who are, you know, you know, causing death and abortion and blah, 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 and stuff like that, are human beings who have yielded themselves to the devil. Hello? And that is why you cannot be a Christian and be irrelevant. There are so many irrelevant Christians in the system. And now we've come to a place where the system is not controlling us. I thought everybody had right. I thought, I thought it was... Um, 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 Daniela told me a story today that I, I loved. And, uh, you know, and I told her, I said, you've stood your guard. So she's a nurse in Cambridge. God has gifted her. I told you on Sunday, if you tell me something, I'm going to say it, I'll mention your name. <laughs> okay? So if, if I'm saying something, I've not mentioned your name, don't come and tell me what you've told me. If I want to tell you matter, I'll mention your name. <laughs> so she said, she's a nurse, she was telling me a story now in Cambridge. She walked up to her boss and said she wants Sundays off. And the boss said, no. And she said, I'm a Christian, I want Sundays off. And the boss says that if you value your religion more than this work, then this work is not for you. 
She went straight to, I said, so what did you do? She said, I went straight to the HR. And it's me. And she said, when I was coming, you people were talking about discrimination. This is discrimination towards me. Because I have a right to practice my religion. I need to be off on Sundays. And if you people are not going to give it to me, I have to go and look for another place to practice. They said, we are sorry. The next time she had the boss came back to her and said, I'm very, very sorry. The boss said, I'm, I'm really, really sorry. So I asked her, so now when the boss, she said, the boss is now my best friend. That is a woman who knows her right. You, when it, you, you, even when they ask him, who, who wants to work on a Sunday, you lift up your hand. <laughs> guys, 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 let me give you a secret to life. Please listen to me. Listen to this secret of life. God will never give you a job that will take you out of his presence. <laughs> Warehouse, where booth, where kitchen, where... <laughs> I don't know about Christians we have, I don't know. That's funny because, you know when I don't hear you? Yes, boss. The job that I used to have, I would only work on Sunday and I couldn't go off. And as soon as I stepped in, then something happened. That's it. Oh, wow. Moses said to Pharaoh, let my people go so that they can serve me. The reason why God was moving them out of Egypt so that they could serve him. And you are running to Egypt. <laughs> because of £10.50. <laughs> and so they say, and Sunday they pay double. <laughs> and Sunday they pay one and a half weekends. Is it nine o'clock? Yeah. I need to go back to my wife. <laughs> this girl really wants me to close. No. I'm talking too much, isn't it? No. I didn't tell her I promised her. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> Accusers of the brethren. <laughs> Don't take Satan's job. <laughs> you came late. Shut up. <laughs> How many of you have learned something today? Kingdom of God cannot come if there are no people that are willing to avail themselves to come to it. Do you know why God has saved you? Because He wants you to become a conduit by which He would establish His will. 
God doesn't need to establish his will in heaven. It already abides. This is why if you became born again to sit down and fold your hands, I don't know what you've been born into. And I don't know the reason why you are born again. Because there are people that would have to tear down these walls, the systems of the world, and begin to erect counter systems of the kingdom. God can reign, but he can only reign through people who have built themselves for him to reign through. So I said, if people are complaining, if there is God, why is there famine in Sudan? If there is God, why are the innocent people, you know, um, 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 dying? It does not talk about the irrelevance of God. The problem has never been God. It's us. I told you last week, do you know that Elon Musk has a lot of money to feed all the hungry people in Sudan? Mm -hmm. Do you know that? Right? In England, last year, the latter part, one young man stood up. He was a footballer. He's called Marcus Rashford. One young man stood up and told the government, you have to give children free school meal. And guess what? The government changed its policy. Can you imagine if Elu can rise up and say, listen, you have to bring back prayer to school. Can you imagine if you rise up and you tell Boris Johnson, this is what it has to be. And you see, the people that will change the things on the earth are not angels. Like I told you, I tell you all the time, in every generation, the solution to that generation are with the people in the generation. I'm telling you, if Catherine Kuman is in her time, she can do nothing. Do you know why? This is not her generation. That is why to sing, these are the days of Elijah. It's a very nice song, but it's biblically error. This is not the days of Elijah. This is the days of Randall. <laughs> this is the days of Elude. So when you stand and say, these are the days, you start, these are the days of Randolph. Do you know why? Elijah would have wanted to live in your time. Elijah without the fullness of the Holy Spirit did too much. And that's why it comes to your question you asked me. Is it really, really true that we can do all of these wonders and blah, 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 and stuff like that. Listen, forget the Bible. People have walked the earth and have done more than some of the things that went on. Have you heard about the likes of Smith Wigglesworth? And, and these people are doing crazy stuff. It's not biblical stories. It's proof they lived in our days. Our biggest problem, ignorance. I told you today, like I said, in the book of Genesis, the chapter number two, the verse number five, God withheld rain. Because there was no man to till with the ground. If we want to see the move of God, there have to be people that are willing to partner with God. And the move of God in our days will not be like the move of God in the days of Elijah. When we start dispensations tomorrow, you would understand. With me. Yes, boss. Faith cometh by Faith cometh by And hearing the word of God 
So that means that faith is built on information. Faith is established on knowledge. If your faith is small, you know very less. Yes, boss. I told you said I should go to my wife. You have a question. <laughs> Today, me and you, ask your question. When we finish, we'll fight outside. Ask your question. Eunice. Yes. It's not true. That's what you feel. What you feel might not be the truth. Because feelings can deceive. Feelings are deceptive. I was born in Africa. I was raised in Africa. I can tell you point blank that to a large extent, the African Christianity is just people being religious. I value someone in Europe who will fast for seven days than someone who will fast for 40 days in Africa. You know why? When you have everything. When you have everything to eat and you still would decide to fast. There are some people, they are fasting out of hunger. The people in church in Africa, there are people there, many of them, they know nothing. You, they go there, they want opportunity to come to Europe. They are praying for Go to African prayer meetings. Have you ever come to a prayer meeting in this church before? You, you've seen the kind of things we pray here? Please don't hear you come and pray for visa. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I've never raised a prayer topic about husbands and wife in this church for the past two years we've been here. Yeah. Go to Africa, every prayer, if it's not killing a witch, it's a husband. If it's not a husband, it's a visa. The African Christianity, to a large extent, is a poverty and need-driven Christianity. Yeah. Wow. It's not a Christianity that is built on knowledge. Yeah. If African Christianity was strong, if African Christianity was really, really strong as it is, Africa should have been the most developed country. Yeah. Because we pray from morning till night. We pray in every classroom. Football parks are prayer, gardens in the evening. However, we are the most poor, we are the less potent, and all of that. Yeah, most of these people from Africa who were prayer warriors, the moment some of your aunties and uncles came here, they stopped going to church. What changed? Because why? All of a sudden, they've gotten money. They go to Little in Africa. They used to chew chicken on only in December. Now they go. Now they go to Little. Now they go to Little and two pound ninety nine. They take a full chicken home. So they don't fight. Listen, I'm not saying that there are people in Africa, but the effectiveness of the gospel is not dependent on location. It's an understanding. So people in Africa that have understanding are doing well. So, you know, the gospel does not become more effective whether you're in Africa or you're in Asia or in Europe. It depends on your understanding. Understood? Good. Have ideas. Yes, boss. Um, how much should you value history in this? Because there have been times where the church 
afterwards at the end of the world where the abomination was. By the movement that led to the, the world rejection, everything that is related. So how much you divide the history? If you don't know where you're coming from, you don't know where you are going. First Corinthians 10, the Bible says that everything that has happened, even in the Bible days, are written, not for us to idolize it, but to be examples to us. God has given us history so that we know where we are going because of where we are coming from. When you are driving a car, there are many mirrors. You have the windshield. You have the rear view mirror. Nobody drives a car constantly looking at the rear view mirror because you crash. But you look at the windshield, but you sometimes for three seconds, you can glance the rear view mirror just to see what is coming behind you. So history is very important. If you go through the Bible, there were years, sometimes 100 years, 2,000 years, and there was not a single move of God upon the earth. Until somebody would come in, and then, you know, the move of God would be rekindled and all of that. So yes, we have to look at history, look at the things they've done wrong, and begin to do things right in our time. History is very important. Most of the people that messed up the church and messed up things in the world in the name of the church were not really the church. The people that caused the greatest trouble in the name of the church was the Catholics. The molestation, the abuse, the power, go through all the place. Look at the church buildings you see. All of them are Catholic cathedrals. But if you go deep, you know that there's a clear distinction between Catholicism and Christianity. Okay? But the world classifies everything. People say, that's what they tell you, religion is the problem. I agree, religion is the problem. Do you know why I agree religion is a problem? Because Christianity is not a religion. If people would practice through Christianity, there would not be a single problem upon the face of the earth. I'm not saying people would go to church. I said if we would practice through Christianity, So what it means is that God is calling us to tell another story. Mm. Let me tell you, I said, look, KAC, we will take this city. Amen. I said, we will take this city. Amen. We will, listen, we will not just take the city, we will take the land. Amen. Listen, we will not just come to church. We will have schools, we will have hospitals, we will have our business, hubs, our business. We would build an apostolic city. Amen. And it's possible. Because we will not just operate as priests. We will also operate as kings. We will not just do our priestly assignment and neglect our kingly assignment. Let's go now. Next week, tomorrow, I mean next week, the foundation school begins. Tomorrow, don't miss kingdom school. Listen, God has told us the next four years ahead of us it's for storage. If you have the opportunity, listen, if you have the opportunity to sit down and learn some of these things, you have to run. If you know, you know what I said? You have to run. No, no, I came to use them time. No, 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 no. 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 We need to be in a place where we are storing as much as we can. Lift up your heart. Say, Father. Amen. Say, Father. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. For sending. Your son, Jesus, your son Jesus to restore unto me the kingdom. Say, Father, Father make, me make me 
a worthy ambassador. That will, that will represent the kingdom in the highest order. Say, Father, through me, let your kingdom come and let your will be done in my life, in my family, in my community, in my nation, in my continent, and in the world at large. In the name of Jesus. Just pray to God for 30 seconds. Father, I am.